We have some very gifted uh, teenagers in this church. I don't know if you guys have figured that out yet or not, but we really do. So I've got a funny for you before I start, but as I've been sitting here, I have went through three different mic changes, right? And I figured out why you don't see women preachers very often. Because when you have like dangly earrings like this and hair like this, this mic doesn't quite like you. <laughs> so I think women speakers need to come and like just wax this part of their head to where it just stays over and forget the earrings because it, it just doesn't quite work. So if you see me like battling with it or pulling my hair out, that, that's probably why. It makes more sense to me now. Um, but tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you guys about Esther and a little bit about uh, the stories we have, and a little bit about character, which is really ironic. Uh, Pastor Brian talked about character this morning, and that's, uh, that's where the Lord led me uh, yesterday. So it's, it's funny how God works in conjunction with people. You know, whenever when we're in a body of a spirit that's connected and, and, and together in tune, uh, the Lord works that way. It's kind of cool. But um, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, my story, you know, we all have a story, and, and how we live out our lives um, affects our story and ultimately our character. And the character we have tells our story. It all works together. So my story, um, a lot of you probably don't know, um, but you'll get to find out tonight. I, was, I grew up in a home that uh, really good parents. Uh, they're here. You see them every Sunday, Lorley and Tony Blackstock. We went to church um, in and out my whole life. I was baptized uh, and saved vacation Bible school here when I was 12 years old, uh, which shows how the Lord works. And then um, I went on some, some crazy paths in my life. I, I became a teenager, um, a freshman in high school, and I got a little wild. Um, had a lot of disobedience, a lot of rough patches that I had to live through in my life. Um, but the Lord, the Lord works in crazy ways. And, uh, he introduced some people into my life again when I was 17 year old. And, um, I got saved and baptized again here in this church. (laughs) So it's kind of crazy how that works out. Pastor Brian actually baptized me both times. So (laughs) it's been a, a journey here. Um, but a good one. And so the legacy of my story, if you would have known me before, would have been very desperate, very sad. Um, my actions, my character was disobedient. It was um, vile. It was, it was not something to be proud of. But then when the Lord came into my life, when Jesus appeared, which is kind of crazy. I mean, seriously, our messages are going hand in hand. When Jesus came in, you know, not just your friends, when Jesus came into the, to the bowl, like Pastor talked about this morning, um, my story now has a different ending. It is going to have a different legacy because of the factor of Jesus. And we all have a story. I want you guys to recognize that tonight. I want you to, to think about your story because we all have one. And the characteristics in our lives will make up our story and it will make up our ending in our story or the legacy that we will have. Um, I'm going to take you to a story in the Bible. It's the story of Esther. And so if you want to turn um, to Esther, you're welcome to. I'm going to read a lot of scripture through Esther, and I've got it all on the screen so that you can see it. Uh, but I love, I love to look at it through the Bible. When I was making this PowerPoint, you know, I was, I was going through, and it, it's so easy anymore to, to just Bible gateway and search it, and there it is on your screen, and, and you never have to open that physical Bible. But I think there's something, there's something special about your physical Bible. I think there's something different and anointed about it. And so when I was putting this together, I, I, I opened up my Bible and I was going through these scriptures and, and that's how I came up with it. So I'd love for you to open your Bibles with me. Um, but I have a story to tell you. 
I want you to pay close attention to the characteristics that the people in this story portray. There's all different kinds. There's four main characters, um, and you'll pick up on them through the story. And again, I want you to really pick up on, on what defines this person, what makes up their character for this person, and how does that end in their lifetime. So the story of Esther um, is 10 chapters in the book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And um, we're going to start. We're just going to start right into it. Um, I'm going to give you a little intro. We're, our first character is called uh, Queen Xerxes, or King, <laughs> King Xerxes, not Queen, King Xerxes. Um, and he was so-called, I guess you could say, married to uh, Queen Vashti. Oh, you know what? I left my clicker. I was thinking, why isn't my slide changing? It's because I'm supposed to have a clicker. <sighs> Thanks. I just need this. Thank you. He's a good husband already. See that, guys? Two months, and he's already, he's already figured it out. <laughs> um, anyways, I lost, my, I lost my train of thought. Okay, so Queen... Or, I said it again. Good grief. King Xerxes. Okay, King Xerxes. He is not a queen. King Xerxes. So-called married to Queen Vashti. Um, she was you know, good. She was gorgeous. She was beautiful. And, and she was married to this king of 127 provinces. Um, so during a banquet they were having, Queen Xerxes, I did it again. Good grief, Morgan. King Xerxes was um, celebrating and enjoying his time. And um, in, the, in the word, it says that he was in high spirits. Uh, from wine. I, I didn't, I don't want to just talk about this story. I want you guys to see that it actually is from scripture. So sometimes I'll just reference it and then I'll show you where I find it. Um, so in this, in this celebratory banquet, he was in high spirits from wine because we know where that, what that does to us. Um, and so at that time he summoned for Queen Vashti to come and to show all of his friends he was ready, like he was excited, he was having a good time. He's like, I'm going to show all you guys my wife, my queen, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show her off to you. And so in this, uh, queen, queen Vashti decides, I'm not really going to do that. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm my own person. You know, I have respectable values. I'm not going to come to your summon just so you can show me off to your people. That's not going to go with me. Which I, I was like, you go girl, you know, like that's good for her, you know, stand up for yourself. Um, and then, so the story goes on and uh, since she refused to be summoned, uh, the king decided that, well, we don't really need her anymore. <laughs> I'll find someone new. And so uh, in Esther 2, 2 through 4, um, it talks about how the king decided to replace her. It says, Then the king's personal attendants proposed, Let a search be made for a beautiful young virgin for the king, because she wasn't quite good enough anymore. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's Enoch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. So not only was she not good enough, but the next person in line had to be perfect. She had to be a virgin. She had to be beautiful. She was going to be judged on how she looked in her character. And think of the character of of the king in this moment. He's not very loyal. doesn't really care. Um, he's decided that that sounds pretty good, and so he's going to do it. 
Um, so as the story goes on, uh, Esther gets chosen. The, um, in Esther 2, 9 through 11, they, they have everyone line up through the story and, and uh, the king actually picks who he thinks is even good enough to go in the lineup for who he chooses. Like you just don't get picked, you get into the lineup, go through beauty treatments, and then you get choosed. So like he's a picky guy here. Um, it says, she pleased him and won his favor, talking about Esther. Immediately he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. Because she had to go on a diet, I'm sure, to be cleansed. And I guess he didn't like the way she was. He, she had to be a certain way, which is, sounds a lot like our world today. How many of you, you know, you have to look this way. You have to be this look. You have to be this size. You have to eat this food. Um, and that's what he's doing here. So the Bible is true um, through the day. But he, has, he says he assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. So some backstory for you. Um, he's, they brought in another character. His name's Mordecai. Mordecai um, was Esther's first cousin. Esther was an orphan, and Mordecai just so happened to be an older cousin. You know, it'd kind of be like Michael to Krenna, you know, in the Freeman family, and Michael would take her in. So Mordecai has taken Esther in, who was an orphan and who was Jewish. Um, at this time, you can kind of see that it's not necessarily maybe a good thing because he told her to keep it a secret, which is kind of interesting, and it'll explain more in the story as it goes. Um, but as, as King Xerxes picks her, I have to believe that um, he picked her based on her demeanor, you know, her, her character, her beauty. Because it says that, um, you know, he picked her before the beauty treatments. So I have to believe that, that something in her character, you know, won favor to him. Something about her was just what he wanted. So as the story goes on, um, Esther has rules to live to, to be the king or to be the queen in, in training, you know, and she has to follow them. Um, but she does. She listens to Mordecai's instructions for her because he raised her and, and she obeyed him through her, through her life. Uh, in Esther, it goes to show that, uh, and this is how she would go to the king. Now I've, I've lost my spot. I'm sorry. That's not what it was supposed to be. That's okay though. Okay, so now um, Esther is actually picked. So she was in this lineup, and now she's picked. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any other woman, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet. I don't know what it is with these people. They have all kinds of banquets. They like to party, I guess. So the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet. For all his nobles and officials, he proclaimed a holiday throughout the province and distributed gifts with royal liberty. In order for him just to kick someone out and bring someone else in, he had a party and made it a holiday. Like, how much did he despise Vashti after she embarrassed him in front of his friends in his banquet? He must have had a pride issue. His character must have, have been a little bit prideful, if you think about it, in order to go to such a great extent of, of getting her away and bringing Esther in. 
It was like he was really showing it to her. He was a little bit spiteful too, I would think, in his character. So Esther is picked, um, and then some, some time passes through the story, um, and Haman is his name, a new character to observe, uh, is brought in, and he's one of the king's nobles, and he is promoted to having the highest honor next to the king, of course. And everyone is encouraged to pay him honor. It doesn't really say in the story, I didn't really find, um, I'm sure if we looked into some commentaries, why he was promoted so high. But he is promoted to be like next in line to the king, to be, you know, make decisions for them behalf of the king or sign on behalf of the king. He's actually given the king's signet ring to seal things with, um, which is is a very big deal at this time. Um, And so in this, uh, everyone is to honor him. But remember, Mordecai, he was a Jew, right? And I think if you remember, you know, in the Jewish, in the Jewish laws and commandments, part of what we kind of go along with, Ten Commandments, um, you're not supposed to bow down to anyone else, right? You're supposed to have your God as, as high as, as anyone, and, and no one else can measure up. And so at this, it says, All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman. For the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Because Mordecai had bold beliefs. He had enough courage to say, that's not my God. That's not who I'm going to be. His character was upright. It was worthy of something. He was bold. He was courageous. His character. So time passes on, and Haman finds out um, that, of course, Mordecai did not, you know, fall for him or, or bow down to him. And then he finds out that Mordecai is a Jew, So what does Haman do? He can't just destroy Mordecai, right? Like that would be enough for most people to destroy that person. Like, well, you, you know, you didn't like me, so I'm just going to take it out on you. Well, he takes it to a whole new level, right? He's, it's like Hitler all over again, pretty much. And he's like, well, I not only like you, but I don't like your people. And so the uh, story goes, and he sends out this decree It says in Esther 3.13 that dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces. There's 127 again. That's a lot of provinces. Um, With the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate, not just Mordecai, all the Jews. Young and old, women and children. And they do this on one day. There's a plan to, to eliminate all Jews. Basically to eliminate God's kingdom in this palace, right? Um, So... Mordecai, he, he, what would you think he would feel like? You know, you, you find out that um, someone not only just hates me, they hate my people. He's a pretty upright person. He's bold. He's courageous. He believes in his faith. Um, I'd say he's a pretty good guy. What, what would he do in this situation, you know? And so another thought would be, okay, so Mordecai, I can imagine how he feels. Now, why, um, why did the king allow this to happen? Like, he is king over the palace. Why, why would the king be willing to let um, one person decide the fate of a lot of his kingdom? You know, the people that, that live in his areas, his provinces. Why, why would he be okay with, with allowing a mass murder to go on under his authority, under his, under his kingdom? Well, I'll tell you. Because in the story, it says that... Um, In order for Haman to allow this decree to go through, Haman would pay a certain amount of money into the royal treasury if the king would allow him to do that. And it says that in scripture. And so what does this tell you about the king? The king's character is, um, he's a lover of money, 
right? And in the Bible, it tells us you cannot be a lover of money and a lover of God, and um, that's pretty simple. A lover of money, that never comes out good because money can persuade a lot of things. And Haman had a lot of money. He was the second in command in the kingdom. I mean, no poor person is going to be a second command in the kingdom. That just, that just wouldn't be how it would work back then. So he has a lot of money. So the king is like, sure, kill him. I don't care. You know, they're going to give me a lot of money. Um, so Mordecai, of course, is, is reacting how we would all react. And he panics along with all the other Jews. And um, although they are in panic, Mordecai does something amazing. Mordecai decides to fast, and he humbles himself, putting on sackcloth. And if he goes through a course of wailing and weeping, and, and along with the other Jews. But Mordecai, his character, believes in God's word and his promises, because he fasts. And the Bible says that when we fast, you know, we, we come one with God, and, and we, he will hear our, our prayers, and, and, it's, and it's powerful. And so Mordecai begins to fast. Um, and then some uh, course of conversation goes on between Mordecai and Esther, um, back and forth, you know, through carriers, because Mordecai at this time is out of the kingdom, um, because he is not allowed in the kingdom, because he is one of those Jews that Haman doesn't like, and Esther is queen at this time. And so through some conversation back and forth, um, Mordecai believes that Esther is the one who's supposed to do something. She is the one who is supposed to save her people. But Esther believes, I can't do that. She's very meek. I can't, I can't do that, you know. She doesn't believe that because there's, there's strict rules in the kingdom. And, and if I were to just approach the king, um, it, would, it would cause me to die because that is their rules. If, if the king does not extend the scepter to me, that's it. That's my life. And finally, they come to the conclusion. Um, Mordecai sends back this answer and he says, This is what he says to Esther. Do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape because she is a Jew. There's a decree to kill her. She's a Jew. Because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish, saying, your people will be saved because I believe in my God. I believe in his promises, but you will perish because you're not doing what God has called you to do. And when we disobey God, what happens to us? Um, and it says, and who knows, but you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. Esther, you are made for this. He says, Esther, this is your time. This is it. This is about you right here. You can do it. And he's encouraging her and he's telling her, you have the ability to change to change the destination of how this is going to go. And so, what does she do? She goes on, and um, Esther sends her reply, and it says, Go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Esther has, she's accepted the challenge. She's like, okay, go and you fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do as well. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it will be against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What is her character saying at this time? She's in it. She's all in. At all costs, she's decided. She's going to follow Jesus. She's going she's gonna to pay the price of whatever that looks like. Um, <clears throat> she's ready. She's obedient. She's accepting the call in her life. 
And so through the course of time and the course of some stories, Esther goes to the king and she asks for a banquet. And she requests for Haman to be there as well. And he accepts the invitation. Haman accepts the invitation, which again is she went out and talked to him without being summoned. It says in the story that she hadn't been summoned for 30 days, but she did it anyways. And he accepted, he extended the gold scepter and he acknowledged that um, he could talk with her. You know, that was something, it was okay. And so in the meantime, King Xerxes come to a place to honor Mordecai, the Jew, right? Who is supposed to be killed, right? By Haman, who is King Xerxes' second in command. But now King Xerxes wants to honor Mordecai. Why? Why does that make, why? That doesn't make any sense. And so over the course of the events in the story, it it explains it, but um, he actually has Haman honor Mordecai. Haman, the one who has made the decree to kill Mordecai, has to honor Mordecai. Now, you, you don't tell me that God's a little bit funny when he talks about some of this stuff, you know? I mean, he could pick someone else to honor Mordecai, but no, it's like he wants to embarrass Haman. He wants to make him feel uncomfortable and show him, like, no, I'm in control. I feel like God is taking over, and he's like, no, this is my people. This is my promises. This is, this is mine, you know, and, and I'm going to take care of them no matter what you do, no matter how hard Satan tries to get in. This is my people, and I'm going to protect them. So not only does he have Haman, you know, not only does he have Mordecai honored, he has Haman honor Mordecai. Um, and so uh, the next slide is, it says that... Uh, So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet that she had requested. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? Because she told him. She knew, he knew that she had something to ask whenever he had come to her without being summoned. He knew she had something to ask. So he says, Queen Esther, what is your petition? And it will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, here goes her bold statement. This is her character we're talking about. If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life because she's supposed to be killed. Grant me my life. This is my petition and spare my people. This is my request. Talk about a bold character. She believes that it's, it's her will it's God's will for her life to save her people. And she's, she just went after it. She's just all in, all in, she asked. And, and what happens? Queen Esther's request is granted. It is absolutely granted. Um, the next slide, it says, uh, this is Esther still speaking, and it says, for I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet. She's like, I would have settled. If, you would have, if I would have just lived and had to be a slave, I would have been okay because we would still be living. But it's more than that because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. You know, anything less than life wouldn't be willing to disturb the king, which is kind of crazy myself. I can, how many of us complain about everything? We, we complain about, oh my goodness, we're such a complaining generation. We complain about everything. And Queen Esther is like, well, I wouldn't complain, but I'm going to die. So I guess I'll, I guess I'll ask, you know, and it's crazy. It's crazy. And so, um, she's talking and, and Queen Xerxes asked Esther, who is he? Where is he? 
the man who has dared to do such a thing. Because she's telling him about, you know, the people who are going to annihilate her. So the king is asking, who, who is this guy? And Esther said, an adversary, an enemy, the vile Haman. Story changer, this is crazy. And so, um, so they're like, what's going to happen next? You know, it's like, it's like the, the climax of the story. It's what's going to go from here. You know, there's King Xerxes, he's in the middle. And then there's Haman, who's his second-hand man, who has his signet ring, who can talk on behalf of the king. And then there's the queen, who's Queen Esther. And, and she has been told that even up to half the kingdom of her request would be given to her. What does King Xerxes do? And why does he do it? And so it says... Um, I don't have any more scripture for you, but it says in scripture that uh, Queen Xerxes, he sides with Esther. And because he, he sides with Esther because um, of Mordecai and her character. Their character upheld them. Their character saved their life. Whereas Haman's character caused him death. The story goes on and, and Haman is hoisted up onto a pole that he actually designed for Mordecai to be hung on, and King Xerxes hangs Haman on the pole that was designed for Mordecai. God always wins in our story. If you allow him to win in the story, he, he always wins. I mean, it tells us that in the Bible, that, that Satan will never defeat us. I mean, the battle is won before us. We just have to accept it. We have to live it in our story. And, and the battle is won here in this, in this book of Esther. I love this book of Esther um, because it is such a story of redemption and God's promises and, and so much teaching involved in it. Um, and so in the entirety of, of the 10 chapters of Esther, um, you can grasp the character of these individuals. Haman's character ended in death. King Xerxes' character um, he resulted in being just, his, his character was just in most situations, I would like to think. But I believe that if he would have had God inside of him, that he would have had a good character. It was like he was on the fence. He was, he was the one who tried to have really good morals. You know, he was that person that, that tried to be really good, but he didn't have God to take the sin away. And so he was just kind of, he was floating around. He, was, he just wasn't quite there yet. And then you have Esther's character, who, um, who, was, who was bold, who was meek at first, but had encouragement to come alongside her to believe. She absolutely believed that she could save her people, and she did it. And do you know why she believed she could save her people? Because God said she could save her people. And she believed his promises. She believed his word. She took out, not looking back, whatever it cost, it will cost, and I will do what my God tells me to do. And she saved her people. And the Mordecai's character, um, it ends up resulting in honor and glory and praise. And he is the person who so humbled himself to sackcloth and ashes and, and fasted for the situation. He didn't, des- he, on normal standards, you know, he wouldn't deserve honor and praise and glory or anything like that. But because he was so humble, he humbled himself so low, that's what it resulted in. You don't have to be the big shot who's up on stage and, and showing all your works and, and this and that. God sees the little stuff too. And he saw the little character, the details in, in Mordecai's character, and, and, God's, and God brought him honor and glory and praise. And so I'm going to ask you, what does your character look like? 
You know, who, who do you relate with, relate with in this story? It, does your character kind of assemble um, Haman? Pretty, pretty money-minded, pretty prideful, um, pretty shameful actions? Does it resemble King Xerxes? And you want to be really good. You want to be really, really good. But you're just not quite there yet. You just, you're just not there yet. Or does it resemble Esther's character? who's motivated, who's a leader, who's excited, and who does whatever she needs to do at all costs? Or is it Mordecai's character, another great one, who is humble, who, who says he's not worthy of much at all, but who's ultimately honored and glorified and praised because of his obedience to God? We all leave a legacy of character. How does your life story and your character come about, or how does it, how does it change your destiny? You see, Esther's character changed the destiny of her people. Um, in, in my story, if I would have went into detail, um, when the Lord changed my life, he, he instilled with inside of me this, this desire to reach out to his people and to, to save his people, a lot like Esther, um, in a different way. Uh, you know, we are, we are in eternal life or eternal death. That's where we're headed. And um, this, was, this was real life life, in real life, death. Um, but the Lord really called me to reach out to my parents. Um, you know, great people, great people. I told you that earlier in my story. Um, but they just weren't quite there yet. They were like King Xerxes. They just weren't quite there yet. They're really good people, but they just, they didn't have that Jesus right in the middle to shake the sin off, to be there. You know, they weren't quite there yet. And they'd tell you that too. Um, but with God's help, I changed the legacy of my family because now they're here. My brother's here. And in my family's legacy will be changed, just like Esther's people. Uh, Colin, if you want to come up at this time, um, and, and Avery, um, I want to I challenge you. I want to give you some time to think and reflect. What does your character show about you? What kind of story is your character going to tell? And ultimately, what kind of legacy is your character going to leave in this life? Because we all have the ability to choose it. We really do. And, and God will direct it. But we have the ability to choose because God loves us so much that he gave us that ability to choose. And I want you, I want you to think about what's your uh, character reflecting. I'm going to pray for us and the altars are open. And I just want to invite you um, to a time to respond if you'd like. Um, to maybe inspect your character a little bit. To ask God, where is my character leading me? Where is my character taking my legacy what kind of a legacy will I leave based on my character? Lord, we love you, God, and we thank you for all that you do for us, Father. And we, we praise you for, um, for everything that you have done in this story, God, and just how we can see so clearly, God, the, the story of Esther portraying, portraying good character, God, and how we can live that out in our lives, God. And Lord, I pray that, um, that our hearts would be open to, to receive whatever whatever we're supposed to do in our life so that we would leave a legacy, God, of, of saving our people, God, and that, um, that you would be with us, Father, and that we would know you're with us, God, and that we would that we'd leave a legacy of, of goodness, God, of greatness, of, of saving our people from, from eternity in hell, God. I love you and ask this all in your name.